We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode one of the Waiver Wire Rider podcast on the RotoViz Radio Network. I am your host, Zachary Kruger, and today and throughout the course of the season, we are going to be taking a look at players you should consider adding for your upcoming matchups, in this case, week two, now that we've finally survived a crazy week one in the NFL. And then throughout the course of the season, We'll give you suggestions um, heading into each matchup through, for the next several weeks as we now prepare to make our way through what is an 18-week regular season in the NFL. The suggestions that I'm going to be making are going to be based off of PPR scoring, so make sure that you adjust accordingly. Based on what I'm saying, if you are playing in a format different from PPR, certainly I look to give everyone helpful advice, but I also need to make sure that people are aware of the format in which I'm um, Speaking, just to make sure that it, you are able to align your format with what I'm saying appropriately. Um, if you have any questions for me throughout the course of the week, you're welcome to reach out to me on Twitter at ZK underscore FFB. I will do my best to respond to as many direct messages or tweets that I can throughout the week in hopes of helping you all on your way to your fantasy football championships. Uh, throughout the course of the show, we will also be looking at quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends, and I will be laying out a roster percentage of each of these individual players um, based on roster percentages taken from yahoo.com in hopes of letting you all know who is most likely out there based on how many teams across the Yahoo platform currently have that player rostered. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get into our first player of the day. And that is one Mr. Derek Carr of the Las Vegas Raiders. Carr finished week one as the overall quarterback nine with 25 fantasy points and an overtime win against the Ravens. He went 34 for 56 passing with 435 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Um, unquestionably, his favorite target was Darren Waller, who he found 19, or he targeted 19 times and also did um, get him a touchdown pass late in the fourth quarter as the Raiders were looking to force overtime, which they ultimately did. And then throughout the course of the game, um, as the as the game was closing down the fourth quarter, he even found some connection with wide receiver Brian Edwards, who finished the day with four catches for 81 yards and 12.1 PPR. Edwards fell a yard shy of having a much bigger day 
when he failed to get into the end zone in overtime, which then ultimately led to um, a, a turnover, which then led to the Ravens turning the ball back over again and the Raiders kicking game-winning field goal. It was a crazy game if you got a chance to see it. Uh, if not, if you're able to go back and replay it, I would strongly recommend it. It was a nutty game um, that ended with, with, the, uh, with the Raiders walking away victorious in week one. Um, Carr is an interesting player, and particularly because the public was not very high on him in one quarterback leagues throughout the course of the offseason. Uh, last season, Carr was the overall quarterback 17 in points per game at 20.6. Um, but even with his mid-range QB2 finish, he was largely ignored in one quarterback leagues, often being um, kept off of the draft boards entirely, maybe unless you're playing in a slightly deeper league or a super flex league, maybe you would see their car drafted then. But we're speaking strictly in the context of one quarterback leagues where Carr was undrafted more often than not. Um, I think he's going to provide a roster plenty of usable weeks. Uh, last season, from weeks 11 to 17, he did average 21.4 PPR um, over that small, small stretch, um, which did lead to five top 12 weeks. One of those games, against the Chargers. He did exit early due to injury, but in large, Carr has been a relatively solid quarterback for fantasy purposes. He has some tremendous offensive weapons and Darren Waller, Brian Edwards, and Henry Ruggs, former first round draft pick. I think he is a guy who is going to give you plenty of usable weeks if you're looking to do something like stream a quarterback, um, perhaps because you faded the position uh, very late in your drafts and now you're just kind of looking to play a matchup on a week-to-week -week basis. So Carr is a player who I like a lot at the quarterback position. I did take him on some best ball teams earlier this year. Um, certainly a little bit different format from redraft, but nonetheless, I think that he has enough upside to give us usable weeks, which is why I was fine with taking him as a quarterback two or quarterback three, even in the best ball format. Now, if you're looking to bid on your waivers this upcoming season um, and use your FAB budget, I would be allocating roughly about 2% of my FAB to Derek Carr. Um, and in one quarterback league, we know that you don't necessarily need the best quarterback to um, give yourself the best chance at winning. I wouldn't be spending way too much on a guy, especially a guy like Carr, who we certainly won't be starting every week, but could be usable for us at least this week. He is currently rostered in about 22% of leagues and he will be on the road in week two against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are coming off a big win in Buffalo. Moving on to our next quarterback, it is Detroit Lions quarterback Jared Goff. Um, Goff and the Lions were surprising in this one. Goff finished the day with 29.92 fantasy points. He was the overall quarterback three, and I think what led to Goff's fantasy success is something that we could perhaps rely on for a good portion of the season. I just don't know that we can necessarily rely on golf for a good portion of the season. And what I mean by that is um, the Lions faced a negative game script that was just set up perfectly for a guy like golf to succeed. Heading into the fourth quarter, the Lions were down 38 to 17. They managed to score two late touchdowns. Um, I believe they scored a touchdown, recovered an onside kick, and then went down and scored again, um, but ultimately did come up short. In this one against the 49ers, the game was not as close as it appeared on paper. But nonetheless, Goff did his best to keep his team in it. He attempted 57 passes on the day um, while completing 38 of them for three touchdowns and one interception. If Goff is a quarterback you are targeting, chances are it's probably because you're a little bit desperate at the position. 
um, which is understandable. Again, you know, sometimes these picks that we make don't necessarily always work out. And I think that golf on volume alone can get you some very high-end weeks like we saw him give us this past week against the 49ers. Um, I think that the Lions are going to be trailing in a lot of these games. This is a team that's not expected to win a lot of its games. And I think as a result, golf will have to throw a lot to keep the Lions in it. Um, just like with Carr, um, when I said I would allocate probably about 2% of my fab to Carr, same goes with Jared Goff. I'm never going to be looking to spend up too high at the quarterback position. Um, to begin with, in a one-quarterback league, I would certainly make exceptions for some of our young rookie quarterbacks who are not rostered. Um, if at any point in time we get to discuss them, hopefully we're talking about Trey Lance and Justin Fields later on as potential waiver wire ads. But you could also possibly stash them on your bench now if you've not done so already. Nonetheless, I kind of view golf as a more desperation quarterback attempt on any given week, but those scenarios will exist where you can see him getting more points in some weeks than you can other other weeks. Um, he faces off on the road against the Green Bay Packers this week. He is currently rostered 7% of leagues. And again, I would be looking to allocate about 2% of my fab budget for Jared Goff. So real quick before we move on to running backs, once again, quarterbacks I'd be looking to add this week if needed are Derek Carr of the Las Vegas Raiders and Jared Goff of the Detroit Lions. Using roughly 2 maybe 3% of my fab to get these guys, if I don't, there's probably going to be someone else out there who I would be willing to take a shot on for a one-week um, matchup. Moving on now to running backs. This ad is probably going to be the most popular ad of the week. Um, Real quick, shout out to my good friend, Frank Duffy, longtime Rotoviz listener. Frank is in one of my home leagues and actually added this player after it was announced that Trey Sermon would be a healthy scratch for week one against the Lions. Of course, I am talking about running back Elijah Mitchell of the San Francisco 49ers, who had a ridiculous week um, against the Lions, completely unexpected and is now going to be a player who leagues are going to be bidding very highly on um, across any and all formats. Um, he is likely, like I said, to be the most coveted player on your waiver wire this week, and understandably so. He had 19 carries um, in this week, one match against the Lions. Uh, Raheem Mostert left early, something I believe he had an injury. It was like chipped leg cartilage or chipped cartilage in his knee, something that I never knew was possible until it happened to Raheem Mostert. And unfortunately, now Mostert is going to be out for roughly eight weeks. Um, so Mitchell is a very interesting ad. I still think that Trey Sermon could contribute. He was a healthy scratch last week, but I think that at some point in time, the 49ers will look to get Sermon more involved. But nonetheless, uh, week one was certainly about Elijah Mitchell. He had 19 carries for 104 yards and one touchdown against the Lions. He finished as the overall running back 15 with 16.4 PPR. And again, with most are expected to be out for the next eight weeks or so, I would like to think that if Mitchell were to continue his hot running, then Shanahan will continue to ride the hot hand as long as he can. Um, we'll have to see what happens. I'm Without a doubt, the 49ers are going to find a way to split up these backfield touches. No running back in San Francisco seems to ever get the majority of the touches or like a, the lion's share of like a 70 or 80% touch. So someone else will come along, I believe, but I still think that Elijah Mitchell is well worth a high bid um, to perhaps get him on your roster and and put your put your team above some of the other teams in your league at the running back position if he amounts to what we expect him to. 
Um, he has a week two matchup on the road against the Philadelphia Eagles. He is currently rostered in just 10% of leagues. And I would probably be looking to spend upwards of anywhere to 40 to 50% of my fab on Elijah Mitchell. I think that he has a potential to be a great player in the 49ers offense. And I think he has a chance to um, have multiple RB1 weeks over the course of the next several weeks in a schedule that is very generous for the 49ers and, um, and their players. So again, Elijah Mitchell, San Francisco 49ers, probably the top ad this week as a week two matchup on the road against the Eagles. And I would be looking to spend about 50% of my fab on him in hopes that his 16.4 PPR performance from week one was not a fluke and that he can carry that in for a few more games this upcoming season. Um, heading into our second running back for the show, we're going to look at a old reliable, a, a old favorite who we can hopefully start to lean on a little bit more. Um, going forward based on how things shaped up for him in week one, and that is New England Patriots running back James White. Um, as many had hoped um, heading into this season, the idea of Mac Jones winning the starting job for the Patriots, we thought would give more Patriots running backs upside, higher upside, if it was Mac Jones starting not Cam Newton. Newton lost a job. Not only did he lose the job, he ended up being released. And it is now Mac Jones at the helm of the New England Patriots quarterback um, position. And things worked out very well for Patriots running backs heading into week one against the Miami Dolphins. Damian Harris saw 23 carries um, and rushed for 100 yards. He also secured two or three targets for 17 yards. But he's also currently rostered 96% of leagues. He's likely not going to be available to you. Certainly, if he is, go pick up Damian Harris. I think he has a lot of upside coming up um, this season. But the player who we want to talk about is definitely James White. Um, He seems to have found himself back in his typical role that we've come to um, expect out of him as a Patriots running back. He saw seven targets last week against the Dolphins. He caught six passes and had 42 yards through the air. He also added an additional 12 yards on the ground and finished the day with 12.1 PPR. Um, it was really just kind of an encouraging game for James White. He, he kind of fell off towards the back half of last season. He ended up becoming a free agent, and there was some um, speculation that maybe the Patriots would not resign him initially, but they did, um, and they welcomed him back to the team, hopefully giving him another chance to be that pass-catching third down back that we've come to love in PPR formats. Um, and he looked every bit that part in, in week one. So uh, James White is a player who I, I really like heading into this this uh, season. Now that we've gotten to see what he looked like with um, Mac Jones behind center, White is only rostered in 10% of leagues right now, which was shocking to me. I had to double check it to see. He's only rostered in 10% of leagues right now. And you have a shot to get him um, on the waivers this week, most likely. If you did some kind of a zero RB build or something of that nature, which if you're listening to Rotoviz Radio, you most likely did, then James White is a running back who I'd be looking to add um, to my roster um, this week without a doubt. I think that he's going to give us plenty of solid floor games, um, top 24 weeks. And I think whenever he finds the end zone, there's a chance that he's going to sneak closer to a top 15, maybe even a top 12 running back on the weeks that he scores, um, simply because I always view the pass volume to be there. I think a seven-target game is more than reasonable to expect out of him going forward, um, just as you saw this past week. And a few touchdowns here and there are going to make his weeks all that more um, strong 
going forward. So um, James White, player who I like a lot, player who I'm excited to see with Mac Jones, a quarterback for the New England Patriots. He has a week two matchup on the road against the New York Jets. And if I were to be bidding on him, I'd probably be looking at about 10% of my fab budget on James White, just because of that safe floor that I think he provides, knowing that he's also going to be able to get us um, a couple of, of top 15 or better weeks throughout the course of the season. So before we move on to wide receiver real quick, our running back ads for this week, Elijah Mitchell of the San Francisco 49ers, hottest player you can add this week. You're going to probably have to spend about 50% to get him. I think he could be well worth it. And then James White of the New England Patriots, probably looking to spend about 10% of fab on him. He's a guy who, again, I think could be a top 24 back if this past week's usage was any indication of how the Patriots plan to use him for the rest of the season. Colin Kelly here, the executive producer of the Road of His Radio Podcast Network and co-host of the Road of His Overtime Podcast, along with the phenomenal Sean Siegel. The wait is over, the NFL season is here, and there's no better time than the present to sign up for a Road of His NFL Pass. You'll get access to all of our content, all of our tools, and everything you need to help you for that in-season success. As a loyal podcast listener, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Road of His NFL Pass just by adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. Let's go get those championships. I hope you enjoy the podcast. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Moving into wide receiver, I'm going to actually go two for one here, mainly because I think both of these guys should be rostered in your leagues now that we know what happened to one of their teammates, and that is none other than Tim Patrick and K.J. Hamler, wide receivers for the Denver Broncos. They are both currently rostered at 2% of leagues over on Yahoo, and one, if not both of them, are going to fall into a more significant role now that we have seen that Jerry Judy will be out for likely the next six to eight weeks with the high ankle sprain. It looked a lot worse than a high ankle sprain. I think at this point in time, we're just happy to have Jerry Judy back at all over the course of this season. Um, I think that's, you know, pre- pretty good. Um, having had Jerry Judy on a few rosters myself, I was a little worried about losing him. But now I think that we just have to weather the storm in hopes that he comes back healthy in a few weeks and gives us some more usable weeks and that the guys in place of him Um, are more than capable of stepping up and filling his role. And I think that the argument for both of these receivers is pretty close, which is why I decided to go ahead and mention them. 
Um, in the case of Tim Patrick and KJ Hamler, things were very close for them in week one against the New York Giants. Patrick did outscore Hamler, um, 13.9 PPR to 7.1 PPR, but Hamler just missed having a bigger day. Um, he actually dropped what looked like it would have been about a 50-yard touchdown pass from Teddy Bridgewater. He had the cornerback beat. He had the ball in his hands. He caught it right near the goal line and simply just dropped it and was unable to secure the pass. So we probably would actually be talking about KJ Handlers having had the bigger week if he would have secured that pass, but he didn't. Tim Patrick did find the end zone, so it was Tim Patrick who had the higher scoring week this week and who I think could also possibly be more of the Jerry Judy type player in this offense. We'll get into that more in just a moment, but before we do, I also wanted to just get into the snaps real quick. Um, things were not close in terms of snaps overall. Tim Patrick outsnapped Hamler 46 to 34, but in terms of passing downs, things were a little bit closer. Patrick was on the field for 27 passing downs, while Hamler was on the field for 20 passing downs. So more often than not, as long as the Broncos were looking to pass, Hamler was likely on the field. Um, with Patrick, which I think is why that their target share could possibly be a little bit more evenly distributed. But the reason I think I lean Patrick more so in this case, simply because one, I do expect him to be on the field more. And two, I think he is more of that possession wide receiver who can um, move the ball downfield in ways other than just simply deep passes. I think Hamler is capable of doing that as well, but I think that Patrick is going to be given the first shot to do so while Hamler remains kind of the deep threat in that Broncos offense. Um, if you're in deeper leagues and you're looking for that home run threat, then I think you would go with Hamler. But if you're looking this for someone to kind of add that volume to your roster, then I think Tim Patrick is going to end up being the way to go. Um, for those of you who maybe didn't know, before he went down with his injury, and I believe it was the second quarter, Jerry Judy had seen seven targets. He caught six of them for 72 yards. He did not score, but he was being targeted very heavily by Teddy Bridgewater in that Broncos offense. And now I think is the chance um, for him, for Tim Patrick to kind of see a similar role and what will hopefully be more high volume um, for Patrick. As far as this week goes, the Broncos have a week two road matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars. We know that that could be tremendous. We just saw the Houston Texans destroy um, the Jaguars through the air, Tyrod Taylor had a tremendous day. Now maybe it's time for Teddy Bridgewater, Tim Patrick, and KJ Hamler to do much of the same. So um, I have bids in on both of these guys, and the plan is that if I don't get one, I hopefully get the other. Right now I'm looking to bid about 12% of my fab on either of them um, in, hopes of, in hopes of landing at least one of them. I'm not trying to acquire both at the same time. I'm, I'm looking to drop one player for either of them and seeing what happens. But again, Tim Patrick or KJ Hamler, I think both are worth rostering. I think Patrick gives you the safer floor. I think Haler, Hamler gives you the safer ceiling. Uh, but I'd be putting about 12% of fab down on either of them. If you were to split up your fab a little bit and wanted to do a little bit higher for one, a little bit lower for the other, I'd be a little bit higher fab on Patrick, probably still about 12%, maybe drop that KJ Hamler fab down to about 10% if you really don't want to spend up quite the same amount for both of those players, which is also completely understandable. Looking at our second wide receiver for the day, or I guess our third now, um, actually, is Colts wide receiver Zach Pascal, who on the day caught four passes for 43 yards and had two touchdowns against the Seattle Seahawks. He finished his day with 20.3 PPR, but was the clear number two wide receiver 
in this Colts offense. If we take a look at the snaps and how they were distributed real quickly here, we can see that the um, number one receiver for the Colts was Michael Pittman. He saw 74 total snaps and was on the field for 47 passing snaps, while Zach Pascal was just behind him at 69 total snaps and 45 snaps on passing downs. The wide receiver who was closest to them was then Paris Campbell, who had significantly fewer snaps than Pascal uh, overall. Campbell had just 46 snaps and then was on the field for 31 passes, passing snaps. Um, Pascal is an interesting player. He certainly didn't have a strong week in terms of his overall production. Only four passes for 43 yards, but he did have those two touchdowns. And it was nice to see him on the field almost as much as the wide receiver one in regards to Michael Pittman. Uh, Pascal also saw more targets than Paris Campbell did as well. Campbell saw just three targets. Pascal had five. Um, and then Pascal, as we've mentioned, caught four passes for 43 yards. So two touchdowns really saved the day for Pascal, but he's a player who would be an interesting add in deeper leagues. Um, he has a week two matchup against the Rams, which maybe um, makes him a little bit more difficult to trust. But if you wanted to look ahead at the week after that, the Colts do have a week three matchup against the Titans. It's hard to get too excited about any Colts wide receiver, but I do think that Pascal at the very least makes for an interesting stash, given that the Colts, without a doubt, need to find another wide receiver on that team outside of Pittman, while wide receiver T.Y. Hilton is still recovering from an injury. I think that Pascal could certainly um, be a player worth adding. In terms of fab, I'd be looking at about a 5% bid on Zach Pascal in terms of my fab budget. Um, He's also a player who I think people will bid higher on because they see his point totals and don't necessarily understand the context behind them. So I wouldn't be too bullish on Pascal. Um, the points certainly look nice, but that is also something that we know is probably not the stickiest of numbers to bank on when 12 of his 20.3 points were by way of touchdown. So, um, yeah, again, Zach Pascal, currently rostered 1% of leagues, has a week two matchup on the road against the Rams. Four catches for 43 yards in week one with two touchdowns. I think a 5% fab bid is appropriate for him. I would not be looking to go much higher than that. If someone else wants to let them have him, he could just as easily be a player who we drop in a couple weeks if we don't see usage similar to what we did um, in week one against the Seahawks. Now, as we move on to tight ends, um, this is a position I always enjoy looking at, mainly because you just never quite know what to expect with the position. And something always kind of happens that's exciting or, or random with it. And we try to capture that randomness and hope that um, some reliability is born out of it. So um, that is my way of saying Jared Cook is a player who I would be looking to add um, heading into week two um, in his road matchup against the Dallas Cowboys. Cook was someone who I've been drafting plenty of this offseason, particularly in best ball formats. He is a player who despite his age 37 season, I think has more um, more to contribute um, than, than some other tight ends who are going around his draft slot did earlier this offseason. And he kind of showed that in week one. He had a very solid day against the Washington football team. He was targeted eight times. He caught five of those passes for 56 yards, and he finished the day with 10.6 PPR, which tied him with a few others for the tight end 12 overall. 
um, in week one. And in short, I mean, you know, when it comes to the tight end position, it's kind of known at this point in time that if you don't get those top guys, then the next thing you look for are the guys just below that. So um, you wait late, you get guys like Jared Cook, and you see what happens. Cook returned a lot of value, I think, in terms of where his ADP would have been in leagues. He's only rostered 26% of leagues right now, and I think he has a chance to offer at least one more usable fantasy season. He was not a a complete and total dud. Um, last year with the Saints, he did rank sixth among all tight ends in touchdowns with seven. He was 10th with air yards uh, with 675 and fourth in fantasy points over expectation, which is a metric that we use here at Rotoviz to kind of measure efficiency. He was sixth, or he was fourth in fantasy points over expectation with 26.8 points. Last season, he did turn in six tight end one finishes. Um, just kind of showing, again, that usability and the fact that he doesn't need a lot of volume to give you good weeks. So um, I think that Jared Cook will continue to be a strong option in the passing game for the Chargers. We've seen Hunter Henry do that for several years now, um, and now we have a quarterback in Justin Herbert who's more than capable of making tons of throws all over the field to all of his wide receiver options. And I think that Cook, in addition to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, will benefit from that in a tremendous way. So if you're not happy with how your quarterback did after week one, if you're looking to find a different option heading into week two, I think Jared Cook makes for a very interesting option against the Cowboys team that just came fresh off of allowing 29 points to Rob Gronkowski in week one. Again, he will be on the road in week two against Dallas. He's currently rostered in 26% of leagues. And I would be looking to spend about 5% of a fat budget on Jared Cook if I needed to. For our last tight end, um, we are going to take a look at Cowboys tight end Dalton Schultz. Schultz was one of my favorite late season ads. He was a player who went ignored because Blake Jarwin Jarwin was perceived to be the starter for the upcoming season. And um, that may or may not exactly be the case. Heading into week one, uh, Dalton Schultz saw more snaps than Jarwin did. He had 57 snaps to Jarwin's 48, and he saw more targets um, than Jarwin. Schultz had six targets, Jarwin had four. Schultz also hauled in all six of his receptions and finished the day with 10.5 PPR. Um, in week one against the Bucks. that was good for tight end 13 overall. A lot of what I applied to Schultz kind of, or a lot of what I applied to Jared Cook, I think kind of, kind of applies to Schultz as well. He's just a player who we think could be a, a usable option on some weeks compared to others. He's a player who's going to be playing in an offense that has plenty of targets and will be spreading the ball around. And we saw the Cowboys throw for um, well over 400 yards in that week one matchup against the Buccaneers. I think that that continues throughout the course of the season where the Cowboys are constantly looking to find ways to keep pace with their opponents. And Dak Prescott will be finding a lot of players on that offense to give the ball to. So, Dalton Schultz, week two versus the Chargers. He's currently rostered in 1% of leagues, and I'd be looking at about a 2% fat budget on him. I don't think he's a player he really needs to spend a lot lot of to get. And, um, you know, he's he's probably at best a one-week band-aid, maybe in a couple of other leagues. You look to add him for multiple weeks um, on, and certainly if something were to happen to Blake Jarwin, then I think Schultz probably gets thrown into that top 15, top 12 tight end conversation. But for now, 2% fab on Schultz. He has a week two matchup against the Chargers. The last thing I want to touch on real quick before we get out of here, we're hitting a 30-minute mark right now, trying to keep it under that going forward. But for this episode, we'll make the exception. Just real quick, I wanted to cover two 
players who I'm calling my super sleepers for the week. These are players who you could add now, stash on your bench, and hope that something happens with them later, where now they are your league winners for the 2021 fantasy football season. The first one of these players is Philadelphia Eagles running back Kenneth Gainwell. Um, he was very solid in his rookie debut against the Falcons. He ended up finishing with 12.3 PPR. He rushed 37, um, or he rushed nine times for 37 yards and did find the end zone while also hauling in two of three targets for six yards. It was very clear that Gainwell was a number two running back behind Miles Sanders. It was so clear that Boston Scott did not even find the field for a snap, much less a touch in week one. If Gainwell is available in your league, which he in all likelihood is, he's currently only rostered 9% of leagues, I think he's a player who you should immediately be dropping Fab on in hopes of um, him becoming usable down the stretch should something happen to Miles Sanders. Again, we never cheer for injuries, but we understand that they are a part of the game, and sometimes part of winning our fantasy leagues is making sure that we capitalize on these scenarios when they approach um, Kenneth Belt Gainwell is very clearly the number two running back in Philadelphia. He had a solid week, and I think that he is a player who is well worth the stash now, um, with the understanding being that you may be able to use him later on as a starter in an offense that will probably feed him a lot if he is ever getting the lion's share of the touches. I would actually bid about a 4% fab on Kenny Gainwell. I think he is worth the worth the price to get. Um, he has a rushing upside along with pass catching upside, and I think that he's a player who could be a potential league winner for you in your fantasy football league. In week two, the Eagles will be at home against the San Francisco 49ers. And then my last super sleeper, this one, um, is a rather deep play, so be considerate, uh, be mindful, I guess, of what kind of league you're in and how deep your league is before you stash a player like this. But all offseason, I've been banging the drum for him, and that is none other than Washington football teams. Jarrett Patterson, who joined the team as an undrafted free agent out of Buffalo um, University, University of Buffalo, this offseason, and has now taken control of the number three running back spot on that roster, which in some ways is more like the number two running back spot because we know that J.D. McKissick is not going to be getting a lot of the touches should something happen to Antonio Gibson. That will go to Jared Patterson. We briefly saw that yesterday, or I say yesterday, we briefly saw that in week one when um, Gibson went to the sideline for a moment. He was being checked out for what looked like to be a shoulder injury, and Patterson came in and he had two carries. He ended up only taking them for nine yards, but he did also have a third carry earlier in the game that ended up getting caught back due to a holding penalty that he actually looked quite good on as well. Um, I don't think that J.D. McKissick will ever be a running back who Washington looks to give a number of touches to outside of the receiving game, which means that if something were to happen to Antonio Gibson, we have to figure out where Washington would look to get those carries to, and I think a lot of them would be distributed to Jared Patterson, who looked very solid in the preseason. He did so um, he did so well that Peyton Barber, Lamar Miller, Jonathan Williams were all cut after the season. Patterson was named the number three running back on that team. He sued up for them in week one and did, in fact, see the field. So Patterson is a guy who I think could kind of be this year's James Robinson if he gets a chance to play. Um, and as someone who might be looking to add during this waiver wire period, if you have a spot to stash him. For Fab Budget, um, I actually have a bit of 0% on him. I don't think he's a guy who you will need to put any kind of bid on. He only had 0.9 fantasy points. It's not like a lot of what he did is going to jump out to him. But I thought that his usage in that limited time that Gibson was out was cause for some encouragement. So um, 
real quick, both of my super sleepers in terms of waivers for this week are two running backs, Kenneth Gainwell of the Philadelphia Eagles for 4% fab, Jared Patterson of the Washington football team for 0% fab. Add him, sit him on your bench, see what happens. I think that Patterson could be a very solid player um, if given the chance to perform. Now, as we get ready to wrap up this show, I do need to let you know that if you are a new listener and want to learn about all the amazing tools and articles over at Rotoviz, be sure to head on over to rotaviz.com and subscribe to the website. There are multiple subscription packages available to, to, to you, and new subscribers can save 10% at checkout by using the promo code RVRADIO2021. Again, rotaviz.com, get yourself a subscription. Save 10% by using promo code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. That's going to do it for today's Waiver Wire Rider podcast. Be sure to subscribe to Rotoviz Radio wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave a review for us. That always helps us out. And once again, my name is Zachary Kruger. You can find me or follow me on Twitter at ZK underscore FFB. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. And until next time, I wish you good luck and a good day. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.